This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win. Without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition. We are back with you. Two episodes this week to get you set for the end of the conference semifinals and the beginning of the NBA conference finals. We are heading towards the end of the season at light speed. A reminder that today our odds are brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network. And you need to download the Action Network app where you can get all of our crack analysis, Track your bets, get up to the second info on where the money is, all of that and more. Check that out. Download the Action Network app immediately today. Also, make sure to check out the favorites on the Volume Network. Great show. Absolutely awesome. I was on two weeks ago on Thunderdome with Scott Harris, the Sixers VP. That was amazing. It was really cool to talk to Scott. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe and, and listen for all of our episodes as we get you set for the start of NFL training camp here next month, taking care of you through the end of the NBA season and into the draft and free agency. It is all on the horizon, but now we've got to get caught up on these series. Joining me as always, Brandon Anderson, the props master, Raheem Palmer. I don't have a nickname for him yet. I call him like <laughs> the, kid, the, the upstart kid once. And then I realized he's like 35. It's fine. It's fine. I just I, I need to get more biographical information before I give people nicknames. Brandon, how are you doing? Doing good. I mean, we've been asking for years for parity in the NBA and a wide open playoff race. And man, do we have it. I, I don't think this is exactly the way we wanted to get it with all these injuries. But it it is Monday. We could by Thursday night, we could be down to four teams. And at this moment in time right now, every single team in the NBA is at plus juice just to make the finals. We don't even have a favored team to make the finals, let alone a winner. We have no idea what's happening. It's wild. It's fun. Raheem, how are you? I'm good. I mean, I mean, these playoffs have just really been really, really interesting. Um, we've had so many changes and turns. I mean, one minute you think the Nets are on the, the, the path to sweeping the, the Bucks, and then the next minute it's tied 2-2. So you never know what's going to happen. You can't call things for sure. Um just excited. All right. Let's start by wrapping up the one series that is done in the NBA semifinals. The Phoenix Suns. What? The Denver Nuggets 4-0. I picked the Nuggets. I bet on the Nuggets to win this series. Uh, So a little bit of egg in my face. Um, I will go ahead and tell you where I went wrong on this series. So I blame the Portland Trailblazers is who I blame here because basically what happened was the Nuggets were outmatched versus the Blazers in terms of their guard rotation, but they managed to just figure stuff out. And I knew the Portland defense was bad. And I commented on how the Portland defense was bad. I did not think the gap between Portland's defense and an NBA defense and that, and the gap between like an NBA defense and how good the Suns defense is, was that wide. And that was my mistake is that The Suns weren't better than I thought. I know how good the Suns are. I think the Suns are excellent. I talked about them throughout the year. I've commented on how good they are versus good teams. I've talked about how versatile they are. If they had not drawn the Lakers, if they had gotten the one seed, I would be holding a lot of Suns Western Conference like 
championship tickets. But I was like, well, I have to wait. I can't take them versus the Lakers. So we got to go the other way. Right. Um, and then the, the reason that the gap was so wide, right. That I didn't just lose. Like, well, it could have gone either way is the nuggets really did not have enough firepower, but the blazers were so inept. They made the nuggets look like they could actually compete. Like, this is a bad look for Portland. I'm just going to be very real here. Welcome to the Terry Stotts experience. Portland got handled in six games by a team that got swept by the Suns. And the Suns are awesome and really good and were the better team. I thought the Suns were the better team in that series. I picked against them because I was like, well, I like the Jokic-Aiton matchup. Aiton surprised me on that. It's not that I didn't think Aiton was good. I didn't think he was ready for that, how well he played in this series. And I thought that the Nuggets defense, especially on the weak side, when they overload on pick and roll, trying to get the ball out of somebody's hands, I thought that their weak side defense, which had been good throughout the year, would continue to be pretty solid. It fell apart, which means they had to go to drop. That's why Chris Paul had absolute carte blanche to just tear them up to pieces, is the Nuggets couldn't put pressure at the level and that opened up the weak side. Brandon, do you have any other thoughts on Suns Nuggets? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really the one to victory lap, guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> that whole thing you just said, Matt, was basically my preview of this series on our last podcast before this. Well, I'm sorry. You don't mean to victory lap? Is that something that actually came out of your mouth? Yeah. Mitchell, our producer has literally suggested that we just switch the name of the podcast to the victory lap. Like, that's literally like how we may wind up branding this in the future is just calling this the victory lap. <laughs> and it's not because I get a bunch of stuff right. That's not why. <laughs> this absolutely is a referendum on the Blazers. This is exactly what I worried about coming into this series. The playoffs are very jarring to, to how we evaluate teams because – all year long, we get data across 82, this year, 72 games. And then all of a sudden we zoom in and we only watch a team play for two weeks against one opponent. And we focus so much on this exact thing that a team is doing, this exact strength that they have and this exact weakness getting exploited. And it's very easy to forget that that was just one matchup. And now it's the next matchup and we have to zoom back out and we have to recalibrate a little bit. And I feel like we we just didn't quite recalibrate enough with the Nuggets to be able to, be, to... This takes nothing away from the Nuggets. Credit to Denver for winning a playoff series. That's huge. It, there's no asterisk on it. They, for the second straight year, were missing a starter and won a playoff series. That's more than we ever should have been able to ask from them. This is no discredit to Nikola Jokic. He was awesome. He had a great playoffs. He had a great playoff series, both series. He's deserving MVP. It's credit to Phoenix. They're healthy. They're deep. They're playing together. They're making the coaching adjustments. They got the veteran leader. They got the young guys stepping up. Uh, Matt, you talked on Twitter about their team defense doesn't really have the weak spot. There's not a place to attack on this team right now. And as I, I remember thinking going into the playoffs, this is such a weird season. And we, we, so we like to talk about how the regular season doesn't matter. What, what does it do? And I kept thinking, are we underrating Utah and Phoenix a little bit just because these are deep teams that have a bunch of good players and they're healthy and we have 72 games of data that says these teams have showed up. Maybe they're going to keep on doing that. And I feel like here we are back to the attrition thing, but the attrition thing has been happening to all the other supposedly bigger favorites all year. And we're kind of back to, to Utah and to Phoenix. This extra week off is huge too. Chris Paul, you know, we can talk about the injuries, 
we were one game into the playoffs and we like gave gave Chris Paul's eulogy about how, oh man, he can never stay healthy. I literally said that on this podcast like a month ago, not even a month ago. And now he's looking good and he gets a whole week off to rest the legs, get the shoulder healthy. The Suns are in really good shape right now. Yeah, I'll say this. I think don't go too far down down the 72 games, 82 games path. Mm. Um, because the difference is that the Suns showed consistently throughout the season that they would match up well with teams. Like a lot of my pick on Denver was based a lot of it on not blind faith, but more of the assumption. I was like, look, the nuggets get better as they go along in the series. That didn't happen. Um, You know, MPJ will figure some stuff out that that did not happen. Uh, The other factor here is I think Jokic ran out of steam. That's Mm -hmm. why he gave the flagrant foul. They got him ejected. It's why they, he honestly had to go to drop because he was so tired. He could, didn't have the energy to play at the level like he usually does. And like I was on the post-game press conferences last night, Malone and Jokic admitted it. Like they were just, they were done. Like this team went further than any of the final four last year went, went further than the Celtics, the Lakers um, and the heat. Jokic played in all 72. They've had to put like cobble possessions and lineups together throughout the season because of their injuries. They weren't missing just Jamal Murray. They were missing Will Barton, who played really well, I thought, in games three and four, and that might have been really helpful in them getting a game. And they missed P.J. Dozier, who honestly, P.J. Dozier would have been a tilt point. Like, a lot of this I want to stress is the Suns are awesome. The Nuggets also played badly. Like, they were not in a position to excel in this series. Like, I don't think that the gap between even this Nuggets team without these guys and the Suns is four games if the Nuggets play well, the Nuggets couldn't play well because they were exhausted and they were done. Like they just went as far as they could and they knew it. And I think that had a lot to do with the effort oh, yeah. level. In, in too. Go ahead. I think the big thing is also they're highly dependent on Michael Porter Jr. And, mm-hmm. you know, after yep. game one, he had back spasms. Yeah. I mean, we all know that he got held out. I mean, he, he basically fell in the draft due, due to his back. Um, if you need Michael Porter Jr. to put up 20, 25 points a game, and he can't give you that against a Suns team who is very deep, I mean, you're kind of in trouble. I mean, I think game one was really telling because the Nuggets absolutely dominated the whole – they dominated the first three quarters of that game. Yeah. And then they had a 10-point lead, and the Suns start making shots. And before you know it, the Suns are up 20. And I'm like, there's no way the Nuggets have a chance in this series. So I, I basically played the Suns in, in games two, three, and four. Nice. Um, and I, I like I, I actually doubled my units for those. So I, I wasn't just playing just one unit on those. I, I was I was trying to get down as much as possible just because I thought it was obvious that, I mean, this, they couldn't defend them and they couldn't score with them. Yeah, and <laughs> that's a problem. It's just that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's bad. just that. Yeah, yeah. that's an issue. Yeah, I um, I, I definitely played Suns in three and four. So, yeah. and, uh, and uh, speaking of Michael Porter Jr., by the way, as the resident props master, RIP to one of the greatest props runs that I can recall in the last twenty-five games of Michael Porter Jr. season. He hit his rebounding under twenty-three out of twenty-five times. Andy Glockner has taken the calling that the best bet in sports. And it was a wild winning ride over the last 25 games, basically lined up right, right when they got the uh, uh, Aaron Gordon 
they kind of reshuffled the roles and they just never readjusted the prop line. It's been a great run. I will miss it. <laughs> Post game last night, they actually held like inter- exit interviews and the Nuggets are not doing like a full exit interviews, locker room cleanup today. And so I was on that wow. call and MPJ, you will remember would like lose the ball out of bounds when he was dribbling, the Blazers were attacking his handle and taking swipes at it, knocking it out of bounds. He had a lot of plays where he would grab the offensive rebound and just like drop it out of bounds. Like his hands are a problem. So I asked him about it, I, you know, and I tried to phrase it nicely and with respect. I was like, you know, they challenged your handle and you had some problems keeping the ball on offensive rebounds. You know, is that something that you that you feel like you can work on in the offseason? Like, I don't know these things. Like, can you how do you work on your on your hands being stronger? Uh, and he took umbrage. He was like, I don't really know how you work on offensive rebounding in the offseason, but uh, thanks for the advice. And I'm just that kid, that that kid, very talented. Somebody, um, a writer leaned over to me last night when Porter was struggling and was like, I was at the game and, and asked me, like, do you think they should trade MPJ? And I said, no, you can't. He's too talented. No matter like how much he screws up, he's too talented to trade. And on the next possession, he got the Eurostep M1. And it's just like, He's just going to have to put it together. I will say for right now, maybe three years in the line, down the line, it's different. He's still 22, second season in the league. For right now, I'll say this. He's not ready to be a number two option. I think if he's number three with Murray back, it works. Yep. The attention is drawn by what Murray – like a lot of this was if you're going to bend that defense for Phoenix, you got to be able to run, pick, and roll. Aiden was just sticking. He stuck with, with Jokic the same way Nurkic did except that he was a little better and the guards were so much better getting over the screen than, than Portland's. And so Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo, they came up, there wasn't anything there. And the guy was right behind him. So they had to go ahead and reset. You have to have guards that can create and pick and roll. Very important in the NBA. Uh, really quickly, let's talk about Sixers. Hawks. So we like we said that like I, I believe that Raheem we were both on the on the, the train of like we think the Hawks can make this some make some noise in this series and they won game one and it's you know it's only two one we're going into this game tonight where obviously if the Hawks lose this one it's three one and with apologies to the Denver Nuggets from last season it's probably done although. Although, although, Raheem, I do have to mention, if the Sixers win tonight, Doc Rivers will be up 3-1. Oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Which has not always worked out great <laughs> for his teams. Um, Raheem, are you expecting the Hawks to get another game? Let's just go there. Do you think the Hawks get another game? I don't. Um, I think the big thing is that, for one, they have no answer for Joel Embiid. And we knew that coming in. But losing DeAndre Hunter is is, is about a, as big as a swing as you could possibly have because that makes – Tobias just has an easier job now. And then I think this this series, I mean, game one – it was this is similar to the Suns in the Nuggets series. Game one, you had the Sixers come out and they're turning the ball over at will in the first half. And then Trey Young's going off. Second half, they switch up their pick and roll coverages. They put Ben on on Trey. And this team has a negative 32 rating in the second half. 
and just scored just one point per possession in the second half of game one. And since then, the Hawks really haven't been able to get anything going. The Sixers offense has been rolling. So I just I think the Hawks are at a point where they're kind of drawing dead. For me, I think maybe they could take Solomon Hill out of the starting lineup and just try to maybe start Herder and and try to outscore this team. But I'm not seeing it. I don't like to overreact to these things. I do think that Hunter, all this season, Hunter has been like kind of the bellwether for this team. That when he's played, they've been really good. And when he hasn't played, they've struggled a lot more. Um, You're right that the impact on Harris is huge there. Brandon, are you surprised that that Embiid's had no problems? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that he's looked so healthy. I I took the Hawks in six coming into the series, and it was a bet on Atlanta to a degree, but it really was just a bet against Embiid. We talked about how much would Embiid play, and Matt, you mentioned 3.5 games over under, and I said I would hammer the under. Well, he's at three already, and he's pretty obviously going to play tonight. He's questionable, but he has been every game. And like if you if you want to take the Hawks in the series at this point, you're betting on one thing, and it's Embiid getting hurt again. If Embiid keeps playing, they're not losing to the Hawks. It's just clear at this point. Uh, Joel Embiid is plus 43 in his minutes on the court in the series. That's at least plus 13 in all three games, including in the loss. And he's at 35, 10, and 5. They don't have a matchup for him. Danny Green's absence, not going to be a problem, might actually help them a little bit right now, the way he's been playing. And yeah, I I don't think the Hawks have an answer. I wouldn't say that they're drawing dead to win a game. You know, they could get a home game. They could get the shots to fall. Trey Young has been, has had his moment still. Um, I don't think that, that the Hawks just can't win a game against Philadelphia. We saw them. I don't know how they can win three the way Embiid is playing. But one thing that I'm taking a look at, I so with the Phoenix Suns, in each of the last two series, I posted a best bet with with our with our articles uh, right before they closed out their series. And I'm starting to look to wonder if this is a bit of a market inefficiency. So before Game Six against the Lakers, the Suns were plus 500 to win the West. And going into Game Six, my pick was not to pick the, the Suns to win that game or one of the two games to win the series. It was Suns to win the West. They won that night. The next day, that number dropped to plus 320 just from closing out the Lakers, even though we all thought they were going to do that by that point since Davis was out. Yesterday, Suns were plus 195 to win the West, and then they won the game. We all knew they were going to win the series. They're up 3-0. It was a foregone conclusion. They're now down to plus 130, and those odds, they're, they're flipping just by closing on a series that we all know they're going to close out. So I guess my question is, right now the Sixers are at plus 200 to win the series, or plus 200 to win to win the East, those odds are not going to stay that way. Once they actually finish this out and we get a series matchup next round, they're going to be what? Plus 150 plus 130, somewhere in there, maybe less depending on what happens with injuries. It's not quite the same value because they could, you know, they could win the series, but still have an Embiid injury come up more. But I, I do think there's some value there. Not like when, when you're sure, like we seem to be, that Philadelphia is going to win the series to go ahead and bet them looking ahead. And, and the books don't seem to be factoring that value loss in quite enough. Sixers four, one is plus plus one thirty. 
Sixers and six is plus 260. You could probably find position on both of those and come out okay. Mm. If we just if we if we think the Sixers are going to win the series and we don't think mm. the, the Hawks are going to win two more games, mm-hmm. I, I think it's still possible for the Hawks to get another game. I just think I wouldn't be surprised if, if they won tonight to even the series just because, like, look, um, mm. I think the Hawks played badly. And I think that the only problem it's – it's a no-go for me on, this, on the game because – Nate McMillan doesn't have a great history of finding the kind of answers. The DeAndre Hunter injury is a problem. Um, I will say that I think it's just been too easy for the Sixers, and Trey Young's really struggled since game one. Like, they got used to him, and since then it's been a real problem. Like, even with the Danny Green injury, like, that's actually made it easier for them to to put their best defenders on him. So that's been been a problem. I actually took the Sixers after game one to win the series at minus 108 or something like that. Um, I wanted to do a video on it. I I was a little sick under the weather last week. So I put something on Twitter. That that second half was pretty damning to me. And I think it it showed that the first half was just really a fluke. What do we we think about the plus 200 to win the East? Because I I think of the three of us, I've been – the least Philadelphia backer of the three. I think I even said at one point I was excited to bet against Philly in the Eastern finals against either Brooklyn or Milwaukee and healthy matchups. That still is how I would feel, but plus 200, we can do the math on that. That implies two to one against Philadelphia. So one in three chance of, of winning the East finals, they're going to have home court. They're going to have a rest advantage because Brooklyn and Milwaukee is going to go to Thursday and possibly the game seven on Saturday. They are probably going to have a health advantage because either one of those teams, the Bucks are still missing a starter for sure. The Nets might be missing two of their guys, at least for part of the series, if they get there at plus 200, like I'm, I'm starting to look and think, man, that looks like a pretty good price for Philadelphia to win the East well, right now. Let's not be like the Bucks are going to miss a starter. Like, if we're gonna say that Dante DiVincenzo is important, then we have to we have to at least mention like Danny Green is important. Like sure, but the, but, like, but, Danny is to, but Danny will be back though. I think by next week, and DiVincenzo is out. Like it's it's not nothing. It's it's something. Mm-hmm. Danny um, Green I'll say this: back, look, the plus two hundred. I think the implied odds give you value. Like there's clearly a better chance that there's a better than thirty three percent chance that the Sixers win the Eastern Conference. I will go ahead and tell you, I am willing to be wrong on the Sixers. Like, I'm just, you have to, at some point, I think in, in these things, like, accept that there are th- things that you're just like, if this happens, I can live with it. Yeah. I don't buy it. I don't. Uh, if the Nets win this series, it's because at least Kyrie or James Harden are back. We agree on that? Yes. Yeah. If one of the two is back, I don't think the Sixers can win. If the Bucks get past this, I actually don't like that matchup at all for Philly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like that matchup. I, and I, here's a lot of it. And we'll talk, well, we'll talk about Bucks Nets in a little bit. But so for me, I don't think that you're wrong that there's implied value and you've been really sharp on this stuff. So like, it makes me think like, maybe this is the move is just to get on, on the Sixers now, you know, but I'll say this, if you're going to go that far, Brandon, why not just go for the title? Yeah. Well, and I, I thought about that, but I, I think that the answer is the same answer that you're giving, which is, I have not put my bet on the plus 200 because at the end of the day, I still don't trust the Sixers and I still don't totally trust Embiid like that. That's not like, I, why not play the title is because now Embiid has to hold up for a whole month more games. 
And like, he sure looks healthier right now, but that knee is not exactly going to get magically better. So it's just the longer that you bet them out, the more you have to wait for them to stay healthy. In addition to me, not really believing that they have solved the threes greater than two problem that they have the offensive versatility that they can beat these top teams. So I appreciate you not talking me into it because I, I agree. I think that there is implied value on what the odds ought to be. I still don't know that I trust them enough to bet it. I'll also say this. Um, look, Embiid's going to score and do his thing versus anybody. His, his, his mid-range shepherd continues to just be wet, and that's going to give them a chance versus anybody. Like, it's liquid silk right now, mm-hmm. which is really impressive that it's kept up after the knee injury. Like, that's a credit to yeah. the work that he's put in on it. Um, I mean, even at the point where I don't expect it to regress this season, I think next season, yeah, probably that's how mid range jumpers usually go is you just, most players don't stay at 49% or wherever he's at. I can't remember the exact number, but as high as he is, he's been one of the most efficient mid range shooters in the league this season. And they just don't, it's very rare that they stay at that level. And even if you drop down to like five percentage points, that's a big dip in terms of your points per possession mark on all those shots. He will cook whoever he's up against. Joel Embiid finished second MVP, was deserving of the MVP. I made the case for Jokic. I'm totally good with Jokic winning. But I think Embiid was absolutely good enough to win the award this season. Um, And he will cook whoever it is. He will dominate whoever he is because he's a great player. But it's just about degrees. And I... Everyone kind of liked the Capella matchup, but I don't really understand why. Capella's a lot like he's a lob disruptor. He's good in switching. Like that's his whole thing. That's why the 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 Rockets groomed him was they knew that he could switch, and so his versatility. He's not a bruiser. He's not this big force that's going to body you, right? Mm-hmm. I think Zubac has a better chance against that. I think Gobert obviously has a much better chance against that, and I think DeAndre Aiden has a better chance against that. Those three guys have a better chance. I like Brooke Lopez in that counter. Don't don't feel as good about DeAndre Jordan currently out of the rotation <laughs> entirely, but you know if the Nets are going to win, it's going to be with firepower. So, like I said, if the Sixers win, which I don't think is insane, like I'm not like that's not going to happen. I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying I can't have a position on every single team. I've tried. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> in my futures positioning, I've tried, but I'm willing to be wrong on the Sixers um, going forward. Let's talk about, let's go to the West and let's talk Clippers jazz. All right. Brandon Anderson, the world's biggest jazz fan. Um, Big game tonight, obviously very big game tonight. You've got, this is game four. Conley was upgraded to questionable. And I'll tell you that anytime a guy goes from out to questionable, I expect them to play. That's just been my experience. The problem is it's a hamstring. And. Um, it can re aggravate at any time. Mitchell's not on the injury report. So Mitchell should be good to go. So this mm-hmm. is full strength jazz again. Theoretically. Uh, Clippers are five point favorites after four and a half, I think in game, uh, three 55% of, as I report, as I talk to you now, 55% of the tickets are on the Clippers, but 52% of the money is in on the jazz. We have a sharp indicator in our action network app on Utah. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this matchup and the game tonight? Yeah, I think I'm out on the jazz. And I think it's because 
you said that the Jazz are theoretically at full strength. And I think theoretically is doing a lot of lifting in that sentence because I don't think the Jazz are at full strength. I don't think they're going to be tonight. I don't think they're going to be again this season. And I don't even mean that in the way that like, oh, it's the playoffs. Everyone's a little banged up. We're all just trying to pull together. I just, I don't think that the injuries we're seeing Donovan Mitchell play through and like you said, I, I do think it wouldn't be surprised to see Conley play tonight. I think he'll definitely be back soon. But neither one of those injuries is going to go away or stop hampering them. Both of the injuries are the sort that we've seen get re-aggravated and come up again. That means potentially not finishing a game that they were starting. That means potentially missing time again. And my position on the Jazz coming into the playoffs is like what I was saying with the Suns earlier, that the 72, 80 game, 82 game thing was just saying, okay, looking at what we know right now, we know this team is good. Why? Why is because the Jazz have had eight very good players who play in a very good rotation. They've been healthy pretty much all year until the Jazz uh, guards got a little bit banged up coming to the playoffs, but then we're supposed to be healthy until that, that game one Mitchell scratch to start things out. Um, but they, they were the healthy team. They were the team that knew its identity knew its role, knew what it was. That part is still true. But if I'm looking at the Clippers, we've watched these games and the way that Utah has hung in there, the way that they've won the games is with Donovan Mitchell, just attacking the rim and Donovan Mitchell doing Donovan Mitchell things and being a superstar. And if that ankle is going to bother him, if it's going to stop him from doing that quite as much, then you need Mike Conley. Okay, well, so maybe Mike Conley is back. Well, how back? And mm. how much is that hamstring going to hold up? And is the shot going to be there right away, or is it going to be a little rusty? And Conley is not quite the same attacker that Mitchell is. Um the guards are who's going to have to win this series against the Clippers, and the guards are the guys that I don't trust right now with their injuries. I think that the Clippers, now that they've won a game, like after, after game two, I felt the Clippers were live, just like we thought last series. The Clippers last series lost the first two games, but felt like a team that if you could restart the series at that point, I would have taken the Clippers to beat the Mavericks, but I couldn't because they were down 0-2 straight up. But if you could start over without the O2 deficit, I would have taken them. That's how I felt this series, watching the Clippers play the Jazz. They're losing the games, so I can't say that the Clippers are winning because they're not. And I can't say that they should be favored to win the series because they're losing. But now that they've won a game, they only need to win a best three out of five. They are the healthier team right now. I think I would say the Clippers ought to be favored in this series. And right now the Jazz are, are something at plus, what is it, plus, or sorry, the Jazz are minus 190, and the Clippers are plus 155. Yep. I think that I would come close to flipping that, to be honest. And I think that the, the Clippers are not like a heavy favorite by any stretch, not quite a mi minus 190 by any stretch, but I am definitely looking at taking the Clippers here. So for this to finish in six games, is plus one <laughs> again we can find when we dig into the numbers we're always going to find some value here um when you look at the board okay so the clippers to win this series are plus 155 for a 39 implied probability okay uh 
what's interesting is for this to go for this to end in six games either way is plus 165 for it to go seven is plus 110 okay Mm -hmm. so they're telling you that the most likely outcome of the series right now is seven games that that's the most likely outcome right um -hmm. clippers plus one and a half is minus 175 Jazz minus one and a half. So jazz and six is essentially it's plus one forty five. Uh, over five and a half games in the series is minus four fifty. Over six and a half is is plus one ten. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a lot of indicators here that are saying that they expect the series to go long. And if you if you expect the series to go long, why is the sharp money coming in on Utah? So I think the sh- Good. I mean, the sharp money is coming in on Utah just from a numbers perspective. I mean, the the Clippers haven't shown that they're really five points better than the Jazz to me at home. Like, I, I would probably put the. I mean, my I think home home court advantage in the playoffs is pretty big, but five points is a lot. So, I mean, I, I understand, you know, numbers guys yeah. coming in and saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to take the five with the, the Jazz. And then when you look at the last game, this was only like the fifth time in which Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have both scored 30 points. And then in addition to them scoring 30 points together, they both had five assists and the Clippers shot over 50% from three. So... I can see how some people will come in and say, hey, that's an anomaly. But when I look at this matchup, I think Ty Lue has really found the right adjustments. I think the chess match coming into this series was, can the Clippers play small against Gobert? And they proved they can do it, at least me at home, as long as their guys are hitting shots. And we all know that role players hit shots when they're at home. I think for – I, I agree with Brandon on this. I think the Clippers have the edge. I, I felt that coming in, but I played the Jazz in game one based on the Clippers coming off of their seven-game yeah. series, and I think that put them at a little disadvantage. But right now, without Mike Conley, you have the Clippers. They've really adjusted to, to picking up picking picking up um, Mitchell early. And, you know, really putting the pressure on him. And they don't really have a lot of playmakers outside of out of him and Conley. So these guys are just going to have to, like, really create their own shots. And I, I just think it's tough. So I think Paul George has really been having a great series. He hasn't really shot well until game three. But he's being aggressive. He's getting to the paint. I think Ty Lue, I, like, I really love what Ty, Ty Lue has done. I think he's been such a huge upgrade over Doc Rivers. He's made some mistakes. But – the fact that now he's not playing Zubac on the court at the, at the same time as Mitchell. I, I just think that the Clippers are going to win tonight and this will probably be a long series, but I, I think they have the edge just because going forward, Kawhi and, and PG, they seem to have found something. So we mentioned you are good to point out the, the spread there. 67% of the bets on the money line are in on the Clippers and 95% of the money is in of the Clippers at minus. It was minus 200 when you started your answer to that question and it is minus 210 now. Like it literally wow. moved, it, it moved a dime in the time that you were talking. There's a big bet that the, <laughs> the, 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 the jazz are going to be able to hang 
in this game, but the money is definitely coming down on the Clippers to win the game. And maybe that's like the angle to go with. See, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that because if you look at the playoffs this year, teams who have covered have won. I mean, teams who have won have, have covered for the most part. And then, I mean, favorites in the NBA playoffs this year are just hitting an outstanding rate. So I think if you're going to lay the money line, just go, go lay the, go lay the spread. Well, and the thing too with the Clippers is like, it's not like we really trust this team to grind out these close wins. Like I know that that's the rep that we give Kawhi, but uh, we're going to get down to a close game. And then like, Oh, like if you trust the Clippers to win, but not cover, then we think that they're going to win like a, a two or a three point game. And like, uh, so what? So Marcus Morris is going to hit the big shots at the end. So Paul George is going to be clutch down the stretch like that. That's not the bet I want to be making. I would much rather bet on, oh yeah, the Clippers made a lot of shots all game long because we've seen them and they do that. Oh yeah, the Jazz went cold a while on their threes and Mitchell couldn't quite attack and they couldn't come up with enough offense. Like it's easy for me to see the avenue where the Clippers just like, like win a big one and don't have to sweat it out late because we've seen what happens when Utah's offense can, can go cold and we know how hot the Clippers can get when the shots are falling. Um, I, I said coming into the series, I thought that the Clippers would outscore the Jazz in the series but lose in six. I thought that when the Clippers did get wins that they would win big and that the Jazz would win the close ones. So I have no problem laying the points uh, on this one tonight because if you think the Clippers are going to win, which I do, then I trust them to cover too. So Sunday morning around 10 Eastern, the Clippers dropped to minus 180 on the money line. And since that time, like from that point until the afternoon, it moved from minus 180 back to 200. It stayed there until this morning, where early in the morning, at some of the books that we're tracking in Sports Insights, it started to get hit and has, has kept between, it's been between 200 and 210. So, I mean, it certainly looks like the books, <laughs> it looks very much like the books took that jazz money early and adjusted the, the money line back, got hit on the money line, and then moved the money line in the other direction and the, you know, and the spread moved slightly up too. like, I will say this, like this money coming in on, on the Utah on the spread. And yet the, the line hasn't moved. Yeah. Do we think that's an inefficiency or do we think that the, the books are just like, that's fine. We will take the money on the jazz. Yeah. I think they're, they're willing to take the money on the jazz. Okay. I, I think it's, but I mean, I mean, it's the playoffs. So a lot of these lines aren't going to move that much anyway. Sure. So, so let's talk big picture on these two teams. Do we agree that like, if you are, if your money is at BetMGM or at a place where you can cash out and you have got Jazz futures to win the West or to win the finals, do we, we, we seem to be saying that we might want to cash out of those or get out of those positions. Matt, you're no. shaking your head. No, I think, no. You, I think you hold. Like, I yeah, you I, have to hold. You have a 2-1 lead. If, if the Clippers just bone this tonight, if Paul George, as much as I adore him as a player, if he has another performance that lights up social media and, you know, their role players don't play well, Kawhi tweaks an ankle. Like, you know, this is a war of attrition. The Clippers have been mostly healthy outside of Serge Ibaka. Like, if you're in too good of a spot right now. 
I don't yeah. think I don't. I, and even if you lose, you're you're not gonna like they're expecting the series to go long. Think about that. Like the books are expe- so you have to think about that too. That the books are telling you that the most likely outcome in the series is a seven game series, which means that you have value up into the last game, which means you could probably hedge, right? Like you're not going to be in an elimination game until at least game six. So you have time to come back and then hedge the other way with a Clippers bet because, mm. you know, even if you want to do it in five because the Clippers will be dogs in game five. Right. Like, the, am I wrong that the Jazz were favored in games one and two? Oh, for sure. I mean, they they were. were favorite. So yeah. can I ask? This is a this is actually a question. We're at five now on the Clippers. When the Jazz started as favorites, Raheem, like we know the home court's not worth 10 points. So what's going on with home court here? I think I don't know. That that is that's really interesting. Like I'm, I'm looking. Let me look at my model. I mean, right I mean, the, injuries, the injuries have to be it, right? Like that's yeah. got to be like the the yeah. the fact. I actually had. I see for the playoffs. I actually have the Clippers at five point six today. Ooh. Yeah, like I'm. I have yeah. it one seventeen, one eleven. Well, and and we haven't we haven't said this too, even though I think that we all are thinking it. But when we watch Game Three, the Clippers made some adjustments. Like I feel like that they found some things there. Uh, they maybe found the things that we thought they found last round by going back to the small ball lineup. We saw, we saw Rondo out of the rotation. He didn't play a minute in game three. We saw Zubac minimized. We saw Batum's minutes skyrocket. Like he will back up to like 36 minutes a game and they're doing the small ball lineup. They're switching everything. Like back in game one, we were yelling, Oh, it's the switch. The switch is here. This is what we worried about. And then they're like, ah, just kidding. We don't need to do it. And then they went back to it in game three and it's working. Like, I think there's that too, that, that the Clippers seemed like if I thought the if I thought the Clippers were just as good as the jazz in the first two games, even though they lost. And then they also found some solutions in game three and, and made the right rotation adjustments. And, and they, they're getting the shooters out there. They're getting Batum and they're switching. I like the way that that's matching up. So we got game one, the, the Jazz win by three. Game two versus a three-point line. Um, game two, the Jazz cover with – they win by six and a two-and-a-half-point line. And then game three, the Clippers win by uh, 26 versus a four-and-a-half-point line. So we have two relatively close games and then outlier game three. <clears throat> yeah, I think I'm going to have to bet the Jazz tonight. Like just on the spread, like I think Raheem's right that that number is too high. My bigger question for you is: I will tell you this is my thesis going forward, and I'll let you guys respond to it. Raheem, well, I'll start with you. Okay. <laughs> if the Jazz win this series, I'm betting the Suns. I'm with you. If the Clippers win this series, I'm betting the Clippers to win the title. Wow. Can I respond? Um, I want to respond first. Yeah, yeah. Matter of <laughs> fact, you go first because I. Yeah, because because that's that's what I was hinting at with the fading the Jazz futures things is not just this series but the future is that I also like the Jazz got swept in the regular season series by the Suns. They lost right. all three of them. I think it's not a great matchup for Utah. I don't think I'm going to like the matchup for Utah. I know I won't like it against the Suns. I don't think I would like it in whatever the finals matchup is going to be unless it's just a big injury advantage that they have at that point, which is possible. Um, the Clippers, 
you can find the Clippers right now. I, I, Matt, I agree betting on the Clippers win the title, but I'm taking them now, right now, while the value is especially high. And I realize that means I have to factor in that they might lose the series and you're going to be able to wait it out and not have to risk that, but you're going to lose a lot of the value. I can find right now the Clippers to win the title at some books at plus 900. That's 10%. They definitely have a better than 10% chance to win the title. They are good enough to be able to do it. And I think that that is a serious value right now. Only there's seven teams left. Only the Hawks have a worse chance at winning the title. I would not put the Clippers as last among the other six teams to win the title. Um, Right. I noticed as as we were getting ready for this podcast right now at any book, the Nets and the Jazz are the top two teams to win the title. They're they're first and second in that order. The Nets and the Jazz are not first or second in how I would rank title teams right now. And I think that that means that they're, I think right now is when we need to be playing futures. If you wait and now the Clippers win tonight or the Clippers go up 3-2, that value is going to disappear. So I think the Clippers are the right play. I think you have to play them now. And I'll go even one step further because you know how I love my long shot, wild Mm. and crazy bets. So if the Clippers win the championship, who's the MVP? It's Kawhi, right? It's obviously Kawhi. It has to be Kawhi. Unless the finals are a small sample size. You get five or six games. What if their other superstar gets hot, makes a bunch of shots and has his redemption arc? Oh, playoff P, blah, blah, blah. He made all the points. You can get Paul George at plus 6,000 to win finals MVP right now. 6,000 at some books. Oh, man. Oh, I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that's it's a long shot. Yeah. But if it's yeah. not Kawhi, it's PG. That's the uh-huh. only other option. So I'll tell you this. As somebody that, that tracks the voting stuff pretty closely, um, that panel is very small sample. Okay. It's 10 it's, people. It's 10 <laughs> people. It's 10 people. And I, I know most of the people they will choose. Um, there will absolutely be a reaction to the memification of Paul George. If he plays well, that will mm-hmm. definitely carry them. Now they love Kawhi too. So if it's close, I think Kawhi gets the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sixty to one. I will give you. I like yeah, the that, value. That, that that is crazy. So, all right, um, Raheem, you and I both like the Suns. We've liked the Suns all year. Mm-hmm. I don't like the Clippers matchup. I love the Jazz matchup. How do we play this? Like, where is there anything we can get in on the Suns right, like right now? Okay, so last week, um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the Action Network did a story based on my tweet because I was saying that Chris Paul was 42 to 1 to win finals MVP before game three. And I was asking some friends about it. I'm like, yeah, we should take this. One guy talked me out of it and said, we should take Booker. The next morning, I woke up, I think it was down to 18 to 1. Now it's down to 12 to 1. So it was like, that was going to be my angle, taking Chris Paul, because I felt like the Clippers are going to play in, they're going to play in consecutive seven game series, probably. So the Suns have some edge having home court. But I I think right now, it's like, how do you play this? You almost have to play it game by game, almost. 
or you have to play it for the series. Like, I mean, right now, I think the Suns are plus 400 to win the, the NBA title. I, I, I wouldn't mind taking that over. I would take that over them winning the Western Conference at plus 130. Because I think at plus 130, you can if they go down 0-1 or they go down 2-1, you'll find better odds. I haven't really conceptualized the Bucks suns finals. It just has never been something that's like gotten in my brain. I don't know that I love that for Phoenix. I'm not going to lie. I watched that game. I don't know if you saw the, the – there was a suns Bucks game. And all the problems that the Bucks have in the playoffs, they had in that game. And the thing I like about the Suns team is they have two guys in Chris Paul and Devin Booker who are in the 90th percentile mid-race jumpers. So, I mean, you saw it last night. They took away the threes, and Chris Paul literally made every single mid-range jumper. Yeah. And I think you're going to have those games with the Bucks and the Suns and going to come down to crunch time. And it's going to come down to who do you trust? I got this. I got this. I got this. So here's the, here's the key, though. Right. The Clippers and you, are you with me? The Clippers matchup is not good for Phoenix. Are you with me on yes. that? Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. The Clippers and the Nets have one thing in common. They're switch heavy. That's like, that's it. So if the Suns don't face Clippers or Nets, they win the title. If it's anybody else, they can win. If it's those two, you can't. And the problem, though, is you can't get them as a dog in the final. So I, I do agree. I think you're going to have to take a game by game. Like, you just mm-hmm. – I can't put a Suns future in if the Nets are still alive and the Clippers are still alive. Maybe if, 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 it's, if it's Nets, Sixers, and the Nets are still banged up, right? Like, mm-hmm. Harden, there's still no timetable. Like, let's say that Kevin Durant just puts his team on his shoulders and shuts Raheem up about his playmaking um, and gets past the Bucks, Right. The Sixers can beat that team pretty handily. And I, I love Suns versus Sixers. Love that matchup, right? So then you're, you're looking pretty good. And the Suns will still be dogs versus Utah. That, that's, like the, that's like the situation that we're hoping for, is that it's Jazz Suns, and we can bet the Suns as a dog. Brandon, are you with us on that? Because you've been Captain Jazz this year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely will want – I think we all will want to bet Suns against Jazz if that's the matchup that we get. Okay. So like, I just think we got to wait. I think we got to wait to make sure that the, that the, because they're going to be a dog versus either of the two teams that we've circled as they're a problem from here on out. Like we're not going to get good value. We only get good value if the Suns are a dog versus teams that we, if the path is clear, if it's Bucks Sixers on, or yeah, if it's Bucks Sixers in the East and it's Jazz Suns, then I think we bet the, the Suns to win the title. I think that's going to be the move. I think you got to wait until those, those switch teams are out because the Nuggets couldn't switch and the Lakers couldn't switch. We haven't seen them versus a switch team. That's what gave Phoenix trouble in the regular season. I, mm. I will, I'll add this. You always talk about the narrative. Let me just paint the picture a month from now where the Suns are the champions. And here's, here's what just happened. Chris Paul, the point God, is an NBA champion. Chris Paul defeated LeBron James and the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers, then took out the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, then played the Clippers. Chris Paul played the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals and knocked them out, and then he made the finals, and then he faced James Harden, his old teammate, James Harden, and he beat him too. Chris Paul, point God, NBA champion. 
it's a pretty juicy storyline. True. I'll give you that. Mm. All right, let's go to let's go over to Bucks Nets. So here I'll give you my perspective on the series since I was out last week. Okay. Mm. Um I bet the Nets yesterday. Because mm-hmm. I was betting the narrative. I told you not to. <laughs> I bet them live. Raheem told me not to. As soon as Raheem told me not to, Raheem's tweet of, I tried to tell you, came up. 30 seconds later, Kyrie Irving hurt himself. And I was like, he's going to get the victory lap me because Kyrie got hurt. Son of a bitch. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell. Here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Here's what I think. I think we overreacted to games one and two. I think sometimes teams just play badly. I think the Bucs just played badly. I don't think the Nets figured them out. And here's like, here's the biggest thing. Cause I was listening to Rusilla, who I like a lot on the Simmons pod. And he was talking about how all these same problems still exist for the Bucs. But here's, here's like the question. Do we really think that Blake Griffin over the course of seven games is going to be a Yana stopper. Do we think Blake Griffin at this point in his career is going to be the Yana stopper? They're not building a wall. They're not playing great team defense. It's been Giannis, in my opinion, getting fouled and no called, but getting stopped by Blake Griffin. I don't trust that. Blake's never been a good defender. Blake's never been a good defender in his career. Like in his career, you've never been like, Blake's a really good defender. You've been like, He's passable. He's okay. When he was with the Clippers, it was like, yeah, like their team defense is pretty good. They got DeAndre Jordan behind him. So I don't think that that holds. Chris Middleton, I swear to God, I went back and looked it up. Like I did a post going into um, Sunday's game, talking about how I like basically reacting to that rock fight of game two. And one of the things was like basically – and I should have just bet the under because now it's now three and O oh in the following game where the, where the, if there's a game where the total comes in 50 points or more below the expected margin, it's happened three times. The under is three and O oh in the next, in the next game. Mm. Uh, and it's a consistent trend for 40 plus and 30 plus as well. Um, Brandon got me there. I bet the other way because I bet the bucks team total over and I missed it by six and a half points. 
Um, and the reason was I was like, the Bucks are just missing good shots. Like they really are. Like they, like Middleton's missing mid-range jumpers that are that are rattling in and out. And that happened to Drew Holiday too. He had two layups yesterday where like the ball's like halfway down the circle and comes out. That's not like Drew Holiday not focusing or not being ready for the moment. That's just weird ass physics. And that's really how games one, two, and honestly, a lot of game three went. I think the tactical stuff in the series is shifting towards Milwaukee on top of the injury. Um, I still think this series goes long because I kind of think that either Kyrie, well, okay, we'll go ahead and talk about this now. Kyrie's in a walking boot per Rachel Nichols of ESPN. (laughs) Let's go ahead and just like cross him out of game five. That's not going to happen. Doesn't sound like Harden's back, right? So it sounds like it's going to be game six, no matter what, Brandon. Like as as like game six is going to be like last stand for Brooklyn, whether they get guys healthy or not. Do we agree there? Yeah, I think so. I I certainly I don't expect either one of the uh, Harden or Kyrie to play in game five, and uh, I definitely have been eyeballing tickets to drive make the two hour drive up to Milwaukee for Thursday night because that seems like a slightly pivotal game in NBA history to to see what we're going to get. I I don't know. If we're going to see Kyrie in that game, it feels like if we don't see Kyrie in that game, then we do see Harden at least give it a try. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but as far as I understand hamstring injuries, it's not like him playing is going to risk some long-term thing. It it like the risk is re-injuring it and being out for the playoffs. But if you lose game six, you're out for the playoffs anyway. So I think you have to give it a try then. But uh, I don't know. Do, Do you guys... I don't know that we're going to see either one of them again in the playoffs because I don't know they're going to play this series. And I don't think they have any real chance doing the series without them. You guys think that we're going to see one or both of them again? I don't think we're going to see Harden in this series. I, I just think he's already had the hamstring flare up twice already. I mean, we see what's happening with Conley. I think they're protective of his career. I mean, especially I think he's a free agent after next season. So I just don't I, – I, there's no way I think we see Harden um, unless they make the NBA Finals. As far as Kyrie, I, I think his – the way he left the court, it's pretty clear we're not going to see him in game five. And I don't, I don't want to speculate on game six, so. That, uh, that, that, that ankle, by the way, same Kyrie foot that stomped on the Boston logo, ironically named Lucky. Just, just point that out. <laughs> okay. Just um, saying. <laughs> Bucks to win the series is now minus one twenty-five. I. It just feels like a. It feels like a trap. It feels like I, I would bet that being like they've turned the series. They've got the. They've got the advantage. They played badly early on. They're definitely not going to be back for five, and then probably not six, and all the injuries. But then it feels like that's like a trap. And I'm like, man, they're like, Kyrie's going to magically play in game six, put on a heroic performance. That's going to go to seven. And the Nets are going to like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't get it. Here's the thing. I mean, here's the thing though. If you take the bucks minus minus one thirty, they're going to be fake. They're three, they're three point roll favorites in game five, yeah. which probably means they're going to be around six or something like that for, for game six. So it's like, if you take it, you could always come back on Brooklyn yeah, at at plus money, or you could you could try to middle game six. Like you have, you, you it's open for you. Yeah, that's true. The the Milwaukee move again. Looking the big picture here, 
if we think if you think Milwaukee wins the series, then I think the move is not to play the series because I think that we like Milwaukee against Philadelphia pretty well. I think that we like Milwaukee in most finals matchups pretty well. Maybe all of them. Uh, the Bucks would be my title pick right now today. They would be my title pick. And that's because I think they're going to win the series because of the injuries. And I think if you think they're going to win the series, then you can't bet the series. You've got to play the long game and you got to be looking at what is, I think, plus 450 right now to win the title. 475. 475. I think that's the play. I, I think it's not to play this the short-term thing because you're right. Uh, maybe the Nets come back. Maybe this all sets up for Kevin Durant to have like an all-time game or two and just do it on his own. He definitely has it in him, even if Raheem doesn't think that he does. Um, but I think if you think the Bucs are going to win the series, then you have to look ahead and like a lot what things look like. And even to like what that means to this team to have been on the brink. We were all writing the eulogy for Mike Budenholzer and this version of the Bucks, And it was over. Like it was, it was the, the way that we were talking about the Clippers around ago, it was the end. And they stared into the abyss and came out throwing rocks in game three and somehow got a win. And Raheem and I were talking about that th- this weekend that like at the time it was easy to just be like, Oh, yay, Milwaukee. Good job. You get, you got a win. You, you, you pulled one out here and not really take it so seriously, but the playoffs have a funny way of punishing you for not finishing things out. The Nets were that close, that close to being up three games to zero. They were right there. Three Oh, even with these injuries, that's it. Like, it reminds me, I'm sorry, Matt, but it reminds me of a few years ago when the Bucks themselves were up 2-0 okay. in overtime against the Raptors. They were right there. They know what it's like to be on Fred the Van and Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> the nemesis. Fred Van Vliet. Rockford's own Fred Van Vliet came through. This, like, if you win the series, if you're the Bucks. It's not just that you won the series. It's that you survived that mental block that you've had for so many years now after surviving the Miami mental block they already did in first round. And you just vanquished the team that was the title favorite. So aren't you the title favorite if you beat the title favorite? Do we think there's more value there? Do we think we just roll it over minus 125 and then take that into the Sixers series? Will it be dogs again? They'll be like the Bucks will be dogs in every series. Will they be dogs though? Because yeah, Philadelphia I mean, I th- has I th- been. Yeah, they'll be they'll be they'll be dogs versus Philly. Philly's got home court. They'll at least. Be Here's home. the thing, I think if you think the 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 Bucks are going to win this series, there's no way you pass up the value just for a long shot. I think you bet both. Like I'm a big fan of. That's fair. For me, when I see value on something, I'm trying to extract as much as possible. Yeah. Like, I'm not just going to choose one or the other. So, I mean, my yeah. take on this is honestly. I think the Bucks should fire Budenholzer even if they win the championship. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was gonna ask why. So <laughs> let me ask you why. No, I'm trolling. <laughs> but <laughs> I just thought it was funny to say. But but, but, but let me ask this just, though, relatedly. So let's say that Kyrie and Harden just don't play again. And so the Bucks win the series. Let's say they win it in six, and it 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 turns into the Nuggets thing where it's like, oh yeah, Durant is great, but like, look at the guys around him. We, 
that other than Durant, it's literally two Pistons castoffs and like guys who like Mike James, who wasn't in the league a few months ago, like it, it's a one man team. And so then you get the asterisk potentially. And like, so how far do the Bucks have to go past that to keep Budenholzer when it seemed like that was the end? And I, I would say they have to win two finals games in order for Bud to keep the job still. What do you guys think? I think if they win this series, the, the, he's okay. He made the conference. I, I agree, but I don't think he should be. I just like look. I don't know that he's done that bad. Again, I just think that they played really badly in games one and two. Like everyone flipped out over Giannis's minutes. He's averaged over forty-two minutes per game in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Like he went to Giannis at the five in the last game. Like they've yeah. made adjustments, they've made differentials, and I'll, I'll say this: if you want to go the other way, if you th- if you want an argument that the Nets are alive, uh, Joe Harris was eight of sixteen from three in Brooklyn, and three of thirteen from three in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. Because um, this are- is my thing: is when I watched games one and two, it wasn't just that the Bucks played badly. Blake Griffin was hitting threes, guys. And playing like amazing. Mike James looked like Allen Iverson and Joe Harris. I, I, I noted this in my article. So Joe Harris's looks were high quality. The Bucks did a much better job in three and four of trailing him and tracking him. They're getting more used to how to defend him. But also, even if you look at, at the quantified shot quality via second spectrum of Harris's shots in games one and two, which was high, it was like 53%, which is really high. That's like an expected field goal percentage of 53% on those shots. He was at like 69%. Yeah. Like he shot above that. Now I was arguing with somebody that has a very strong feeling against the bucks yesterday. And he was like, but Joe Harris is a great shooter. Like he, like he makes better than I was like, yeah, but just the gap between them. So I just think a lot, like, look, I think a lot of things go against the bucks in these series. I think the Budenholzer last year completely got rolled. But I think he's been much better this year, and I think that we're we're cramming in the just the way the same way that if my, if Paul George plays pretty well but has a bad like quarter, everyone crams that in. Like we cram, yeah. it's not even narrative; it's like memes. Like we cram NBA I mean, you, memes into these series, and I think that I think I think you're right. Yeah, and I think and like that when you look at games, right. I mean game. In game one, the Bucks were six of thirty from three. Yeah. Game two, they were like six of twenty-seven. Yeah. In game three, they were like eight of thirty-three. So they just weren't making shots. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like them in game four is because they pulled out a tough win in the in the clutch yeah. against Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant. And I'm watching the first couple minutes of the game, and I'm like, oh, this team's finally hitting threes, and yeah. they're getting they've gotten more physical. PJ Tucker is like really put the pressure on Kevin Durant, and I'm like. They're going to win this game. And I felt that way even before Kyrie came out. And I, I honestly, I, I felt like I, Brandon, I, Brandon knows I text him. I'm like, yeah, they're going to win this game. And I felt like if Kyrie didn't get hurt, they probably still win this game. So it's that. just, I'm with you on that I just, in retrospect. I bet the Nets because I was, just, I like, I bet the Nets live. And my thought was just like, nothing does go the, the Bucks way. Like, this is where I get like mixed yeah. up on that narrative shit and like the whole, like these concepts, I'm just like the bucks never can seem for, for things to go right for them. Like, that's yeah. a lot of it is like, look, I, I've, I've documented and written about how the bucks have made tactical errors 
the Bucs mm-hmm. also get a really bad bounce. They get a bad whistle and they get a bad bounce. Like both of all of these things can be true at once. Um, right now, what finals matchup would you be most excited to bet? I've had, and this is not one that I prepped you guys for, so you're going to have to think about it. So I will tell you right now. Um, I would be most excited to bet Bucks Clippers. I really like that counter. Like I like the athleticism of the Bucks versus the Clippers. I like the fact that the Clippers would be playing drop. Um, the Clippers just, they try and overwhelm you with talent. They don't play that smart. Utah Bucks would be a very weird matchup. The NBA would hate. Um, and Bucks Suns would be probably the most fun game series to watch, but I don't think I'd be able to find good value there. Like, here, like here is a genuinely interesting question. Okay, so the Bucks are plus four seventy five to win the NBA title. The Suns are plus three seventy five right now because they're locked into the conference finals, and the Jazz are still in a series. Like, if the Jazz advance, the Jazz will jump over the Suns because they'll be favored in the next round. Do we think the Suns or the Bucks are favored in a finals matchup? The Bucks. Um, the Suns. Suns would have home court though. Might so, be, it might be it, honestly that one might be like it might be a pick them and they'll just let the market decide. That Matt, might what be, price are you uh, are you hoping to get that Bucks Clippers finals matchup at? Oh, it'd be, I mean, I I would take it. It would be great no matter what. Like I would I would think that the Bucks would be major dogs there. No, I mean like it, it, betting it right now. You're you're saying we're we're betting what finals matchup we we like. So at, at BetMGM, our official odds sponsor of the podcast, that mm. matchup right now is plus 1,000. And I have to point out, on Saturday afternoon, so one game ago for all these games, on Saturday afternoon, Bucks Clippers to play in the finals was plus 4,000. <laughs> yeah. Two days later, wow. that's dropped from 40 to 1 to yeah. 10 to 1. Just because, well, not Kyrie. just because the Clippers won a game and the Bucks won a game and Kyrie got hurt. Kyrie got hurt. That's how fast. Like, it, it's crazy. At times in these playoffs, we've looked and been like, oh, the Lakers look inevitable. They figured the Suns out. Here they go again. And then they weren't. And then Davis got hurt. And then it all changed. Better one for it. Inevitable. And they were winning everything. Yeah. And then they got hurt mm. and everything swings. Better one for you. Is there is there a spot where we think where we're going to want the Sixers? Is there a, like Raheem, I'll ask you this because you're you're the Philly guy. Is there a spot where we're going to want the Sixers? The funny thing is when you asked your last question, I was going to say, I want to take the Suns and the Sixers. Okay. Because I would be looking to fade the Sixers. Fade them. You you like the Suns in that matchup? Yeah. Like I, I watched a couple of their games this year and I just most notably the first game, because I think the second game Simmons didn't play. And I just think it's one of those games where I think Aiton can do enough on MB. Yeah. And the Sixers just don't have anything for their guards. And I, I just think Booker and, and, and Chris Paul would just kind of eat them alive, honestly. Jay versus, so it's just, Jay versus Tobias is a really good matchup. Yeah. Like is there I, any, I, I really is like there any combo? I'll say this. I don't know. I don't know that I hate. I'm honestly, here's the thing. I'm hoping the Clippers win the Western Conference because I want to bet the Eastern teams. I think I like all the Eastern teams versus versus the Clippers. Which is weird because, like, I think the Clippers have the most talent of the remaining teams. Just I get it, though. Because, I mean, when you, like, when you, 
uh, that's the that's the one is if it's if it's Sixers Clippers, I'm probably taking the Sixers. I, I agree with you there, because I mean, when you look at Nets, if you look at Nets Clippers, the Clippers aren't going to be able to keep up with them offensively, and them. I, I think the Clippers switch, it, it's not going to work because they have three ISO guys who can score at will. When you look at the Bucks and the Sixers, the the, the Clippers have no rim protection. So yeah. I'm with you. I'm. Brandon, is so there let, let is me, there is there a Sixers? You're the contrarian. Is there a Sixers spot? I mean, we talked about the Sixers earlier. I'm I'm like you, Matt. I'm just gonna have to lose if if the Sixers win the title. I'm just gonna have to lose on it because it's just it, I'm gonna have to see Joel Embiid standing on both of his knees holding up the Finals MVP, and that's when I will believe is is when that has happened. And and I hope he stays healthy. I hope I hope we get to see him make a run at it. Uh, the angle that I'm thinking about. I was looking at this earlier, and I think even a couple weeks ago, I brought up you can play just East versus West to win the title. And I liked East a lot because we thought that the Nets-Bucks was the finals. And what a glorious, terrible finals Nets-Bucks has been, by the way. I don't know that I like the East anymore, so I was looking at the West. The West right now is plus 105 to win the finals. I don't love that. Here's what I do like, though. I don't believe in the Jazz. I've said already on this pod that we are fading the Jazz. You can take the Pacific Division, which is the Suns and the Clippers, at plus 200 to win the finals. Two to one. I don't like, I, I don't hate that. I feel like that's a pretty good odds right now. I like either one of those teams much better than I, I would be fading the Jazz in the finals. I like the Clippers or the Suns potentially. I think there's some value there. All right, let's get wrap it up for the Action Network podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Been great to have you. Been great to be back. We'll be back later this week on Thursday with another episode, getting you caught up after these games when we change our minds completely after two more games because <laughs> that's how the playoffs go. You can follow Brandon and Raheem in the Action Network app. Make sure to track both of them for great, sharp picks. Make sure to follow both of them on Twitter as well. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Our thanks to BetMGM, the official Oz provider for the Action Network podcast. Our thanks to Matt Mitchell, producer extraordinaire we'll talk to you guys again later in the week with another edition of the nba playoffs edition of the action network podcast we're finished talking